Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Carla. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to another episode of Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim. However, today it is Kim and Carla. Louise is driving down the road somewhere in Ontario, and we hope that she is being safe and doing so, so she's not going to join us on today's conversation. Unfortunately, um, we will miss her, but she is here in spirit. So I am glad that I have as my co-host today the incomparable Carla Coupe. Carla, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So we're going to start off the, the call like we always do. What are you celebrating today? Um, what I'm celebrating today is just um, kind of getting better at extending grace to myself. You know, um, I know we all have many demands that kind of pull on our energy every day. And it's easy to, you know, especially for this firstborn of a very Catholic, very Congolese family, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard often to just give myself the grace and say, you know what, this, these people or this obligation has to wait. Um, but, um, or whatever else comes up, you know, kind of that knee jerk reaction of like, oh, I need to dress something right away, you know, and, um, you know, saying, no, you know what, I like right now, I just either don't want to, or I just need a rest. I just need to be, and, uh, I will get to it. Um, later. So I'm, 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 you know, this last week has definitely <laughs> been a, a, a little crash course in that. So um, I'm, 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 a little, I'm proud of myself that I was able to kind of stick to, you know, giving myself grace and giving myself uh, rest. So yeah, that's my celebration. Oh, I'm so happy for you because it is huge. Um, earlier this week, um, might've even been yesterday, but you know, the days they blend. Um, mm. I, our daughter got home and I usually just spend a little bit of time with her before I come back up and I do a little bit more work to close out my day and went down. Yeah, it was yesterday. Cause I was telling you how many F-bombs I was like oh, laying yes. in front of her. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. something, was, something was going on yes. in the universe that, that was mm. causing my energy to be all janky. And I was like, you know what, babe, I am really sorry. I'm in this mood. I am going to go lay down because that is apparently what my body needs right now is to rest. Yeah. And so I gave myself that space. So it is so true when we give ourselves the grace and courtesy to care for ourselves, the way that our bodies are telling us that it needs. Yeah. So yeah. proud of you too. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So for me, um, I am celebrating um, leaning deeper into areas that I, I have felt called to, mm. but I've also felt intimidated by. Mm. And so, right. It's that, right. It's that growth edge. <laughs> yeah. That is fun. Those are always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Scary as hell. Yes. And, and fun. Um, yeah, and it, at the same time. what's so interesting for me is, so I've been doing a lot of studying um, of my own design and human design and like really oh, getting perfect. into, this isn't the crunchy area. This is what's helping me in the crunchy area. Got so it. really leaning into it and understanding how my incarnation cross is really supporting mm. me mm. in the work that I'm doing in the world. Mm. Um, and I, when I say work in the world, I don't just mean what I do for a vocation, right. but right, who I am in the world. Mm -hmm. And so my conscious son is in the gate of doubt and so my conscious son is really your purpose and meaning, what you are here to bring into the world. And so every now and then I get a little pissed off that mine is doubt. I'm like, really? That's what I'm here to bring into the world? Could be like love and joy. Um, yeah. yeah. And so what I'm realizing is how to honor 
that doubt mm. is part of my purpose here. Mm -hmm. Part of my purpose is to ask the questions, is to leave room for possibility. And that's what comes from doubt. And it has been really challenging mm -hmm. um, in these areas that I want to lean more deeply into because mm -hmm. it seems like everybody has a definitive answer for themselves in these areas. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm entering it as how do I embrace this space mm -hmm. from a place of doubt and open to all the possibilities? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, as you were talking, like doubt really is inquiry, right? Like you're you're asking, and it's it's understanding that doubt. You know, from which point does this, or from what kind of root does the inquiry come or start? Right? Is it out of fear? Is it out of self protection? Or is it just of hmm? I just don't really know what this is, right? And like, let's let's, you know, let's hop in and figure it out, or or like you know, explore it, and you know, whatever wherever we may come out of at the at the end, right? So. So doubt really, you know, it, I think the, the initial reaction is something that it, that it is something negative, but really it's a it's an it's an analysis, it's an inquiry, it's a question that you're that you're having, right? And then it's like, well, why do I have this question? And where's it? Where which part of me is it coming from? You know, and that's just really cool. Like it's really it's it like you said, but I I, I don't disagree. Stuff like that is is scary, but also fun right. because you don't know where it may lead you. You know, and that and that's the fun part of it. Yeah. And, and it is, I love that. Thank you for that offering of the word inquiry, because that's exactly how it feels. Mm. It feels like I don't have to have a definitive answer. Mm. I am okay with existing with doubt, with existing mm -hmm. in that place of yes. And yeah. Yeah. It's and not an easy place. Exactly. It's not how we're trained and programmed, you know, to do anything There has to always be you know, a start and end, and then some kind of conclusion or result. And most of life is not that, you know, and, and, and that's where we mostly get frustrated or feel like a failure or whatever, you know, because we don't come to this final piece of information or to kind of that end point. Right. And it's like, it's not about the end point, right? Like the, the learning, the growing, uh, the expansion really happens in the process, in the breathing and living that, right. Like, re and, and again, like releasing that need, for a final answer, you know? So yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable because we're not, we're just not wired. Well, maybe we are wired. I'm going to correct myself. We are wired to do so, but we're being programmed from, from childhood on that, you know, that there has to be this final thing. And, and, and that's just not how life works. You know, that's yeah. not how, how nature works. So, so why should we? So. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting. So we're going to get into your background here in just a second. So, but both of us, um, are attorneys, right? I'm a for practicing recovering attorney and, and you are currently, right, working in the world of law. So yeah. in law, right, in the practice mm -hmm. of law, we look for those definitive answers. Now, we do it through inquiry. We do yes. it through looking at where are the possibilities. Yes. And yet it's working towards having mm -hmm. a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And okay. and oftentimes the answer or the solution yeah, and that's why, you know, being in law in the realm of it is like nothing is, you know, black or white, nothing is this or that, you know, there is always that both and, right? Or, or you know, or in in some cases, you know, neither side will be happy, right? Like there will be an outcome, yes, but um, there is again this, this, this nothing can be definitively good or definitively bad, you know, like I don't care what type of law you look into. And it's just, 
again, it, it mirrors, again, obviously there's the structural, there's the systemic and everything, and then the uh, very like male oriented or, or masculine oriented. But again, a lot of that also has very feminine undertones, right? Where, where there is this, there is this kind of balancing of, well, you know, nobody wins, nobody loses, or, you know, um, you know, obviously outside the case of, of like egregious inequities, but, but that's kind of it, right? Like it's, it's seeing, well, you know, from how many perspectives can you look at this one point or at this, at this issue or this problem? Um, because then, like you said, you know, that's in where you see the possibilities, right? And again, there's not just one, like this binary of, you know, option A, option B, but you know, there are all these uh, other ones in between. So, yeah. The world is not binary. Right. And yet we keep trying, as humans, we keep trying to make it so. It's insane. It's, it's, it's literally an exercise of insanity. I don't know why we, why we still don't, don't understand that. But. <laughs> Right. Well, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell people who you are. Um, so I'm going to um, read your official bio and then um, and then we'll get into um, asking you some questions. So here okay. we go. All right. So Carla Coupe is a highly experienced general counsel and litigator, legal strategist, educator, and collaborative leader. She was included in the Cranes Chicago business feature, Notable Executives in HR and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in August of 22. In addition to her work at CZLPC, Carla serves as the Vice President of Racial Equity and Inclusion for the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago. She is also the founder and CEO of the Impact Alliance LLC, a diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism colonialism consulting enterprise through which she provides advising, consulting, education, and leadership coaching for organizations across industries. Until 2022, Carla served as managing partner at Ebony Law LLC and as the director of the Professional Identity Formation Program at Loyola University Chicago School of Law, my alma mater, by the way. <laughs> Carla founded the Speak Truth Summit, a platform giving voice and visibility to the particular and unique experiences of women of color in 2018. So we are so glad to have you here. I know that Louise is sad she's not here in person, but like I said, she is here in spirit. Yes. Carla, tell us how you got to where you are. That is so much wonderful goodness. And like we could pull <laughs> on all those threads. And I'd love to know what is your career journey? What got you to mm -hmm. where you are today and where you and I have talked behind the scenes, where you're headed? Mm. Um, so like you, and, and obviously I'm, I'm a kind of a newbie to human design, but I am what they call a projector. Um, and, um, our purpose in life, uh, if you subscribe to that type of, uh, kind of framing, you know, uh, purpose, purpose of our life purpose is to, to guide, right. To, to basically, um, help people understand, uh, themselves, uh, in order then to, you know, come up with a course of action or, or make a decision and so forth. So, um, that has kind of been the theme throughout my career, right? So initially, um, our family emigrated from, from Europe. My parents are from the, the Democratic Republic of, of the Congo. And, um, you know, when I was little in Europe, you know, I used to watch shows like Matlock and uh, Remington Steel. So, like, I was always, like, between police shows and lawyer shows, you know. And uh, granted, they were, you know, dubbed in French and German and whatnot. But I was always like, man, you know, I want to, I want to have this like the briefcase, the lawyer briefcase, and like walk into like these courtrooms, right? Like, because it just looked cool. Uh, but I liked, I think, what I always liked, and again, that's where the cop shows came in. Like, I love the the inquiry. I love the, well, why did that person do that, right? And like, and and so forth. So it was really kind of like 
um, they, that's the yummy part. Like, you know, understanding why we show up the way we do um, so that we, it informs, it can inform if we are ready to, um, you know, how we want to proceed. And so when we came to the States, um, I said, well, you know, I'm going to do, I, I kind of did like the, the formal thing, right? I went poli-sci in undergrad, you know, pre-law, um, even though I was like, mm, you know, poli-sci by, by itself was like, you know, the only thing that could fit. Like, I didn't know, I was horrible at natural sciences, much to the dismay of my mother, who was a PhD in, in microbiology. Uh, and I was horrible in like math and physics, you know, again, much to the dismay of, of my father, uh, who has a PhD in, in engineering. And so I was like, well, that's the only thing that fits. So I did that. Uh, I went to law school first in Boston at Suffolk um, and then here in Chicago. And I thought at the beginning that I wanted to do uh, criminal law. So I, I was on the prosecution side. Um, by the time I was done with first year and into second year, I'm like, hmm, then the whole thing of the, you know, black woman going through law school and examining all these systemic and legal frames. I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I'm cut out for that because I don't think, I don't think my solo heart would be able to, to, to be able to deal with that. But um, out of law school, um, I started, my first step was at the city of Chicago law department. And I was first in the um, kind of buildings and licensing division where um, I was um, on the prosecutorial side of uh, building code violations, right? So first it was just kind of like small things, but then it was more like, you know, evacuating whole buildings because, you know, slumlords were not, you know, kind of doing their job, upkeeping and keeping uh, the, the, the properties and, and, you know, safety violations that were impacting people's lives. So I, I started to see like, you know, that there's more than just Kind of these like preset like law things that I want to do that there were bigger issues that I wanted to kind of uh, dive into, um, but again the lawyer thing being a lawyer really was not something that resonated with who I fully am right and maybe that's also why <laughs> a lot of well I have left the profession in the sense or not actively pursue it anymore uh, was because of that because it, I didn't feel like the mechanisms or the frameworks in which we we attorneys operate were flexible enough and inclusive enough uh and we're actually you know the opposite of equitable they were restrictive they were oppressive and i'm like well we're not really getting to you know the impact that i want to have so um you know kind of leaving leaving and i ended up leaving um the law department so i, I started in that division first then went to the federal civil rights litigation division which is tasked with um, defending the, the police department and the city in police misconduct cases, um, you know, and that was kind of like, well, maybe I can have impact here, right? Like internally in terms of, um, you know, a, a department that is in an industry uh, that, that renders services um, that have been problematic in this country. Um, and so my thinking was, well, maybe I can change it from within, you know, maybe I can be like a, a, one of the small factors that can, you know, cause or, or help cause more equitable, uh, equitable outcomes. Uh, while I was there, I'm like, hmm, I can't really do much as 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 a you know, from an attorney point uh, kind of position. You know, why don't I become a cop myself? Maybe I can have a better impact, right? So I actually, while defending police department, I actually went through the application process to become a CPD, uh, a, sorry, Chicago Police Department um, uh, officer. I should not use acronyms. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And um, I went all the way through and two, two weeks before I was supposed to report uh, to the police academy, um, Laquan McDonald was, was killed by, by a police officer here. And I was like, hmm, there's no way that I as a lowly, you know, probationary officer 
and even in the best case scenario, you know, five, 10 years from then, you know, being higher in rank, I won't have the impact that I, that I think that I want to have, you know, to, to help bring equity uh, into these interactions. So I actually left the law department at that point and became uh, assistant um, uh, general counsel with uh, um, at Chicago State University, which is a university here on the south side of Chicago. Um, so I did Title IX there, um, you know, helped uh, assisted our GC there, uh, which was which was great, right? Like I I always love being in an educational environment or in a learning environment. So it was great to be around faculty, be around students. Um, and and help make that environment safer, right, and more inclusive and and, and equitable. Um, then came an, a small kind of full circle moment where um, the Office of Inspector General here in Chicago, um, by um, consent decree that was imposed on the Chicago Police Department, had to have somebody on staff to look into issues of bias and um, um, and discrimination at the Chicago Police Department. So people were like, Carla, this just sounds like this is like kind of full circle for you. You know, this is kind of the, the like an impact moment that I was waiting for. So I applied and was the first one to to sit in that position. So it was brand new, um, you know, so that was that was very a big deal for me. Um, and um, yeah, so I was there for, I think, about a year, a little bit over a year. Um, and uh, while I was doing all these things, um, you know, I did also the Impact Alliance. So that's when I started to do the equity and the DEI uh, consulting. And I felt more and more, you know what, Carla, this is really the best way, or at least for me, um, to have impact. Um, you know, not part of be that an entity or an organization, but rather um, as myself, because it was very important to me, or what I saw was that I needed to be able to speak my voice, my truth, um, and be as blunt as I guess a Scorpio <laughs> likes to be. Um, and I couldn't do that with the restrictions of like being somebody's employee. So that is where we kind of kind of were catapulted to this present moment where uh, my uh, my business partner, but also longtime friend, also attorney, uh, we decided to you know form our own law firm and legal legal services consulting. Uh, sorry, legal legal consulting services. So, um, we, because that, of that, you know, we're both uh, women of, of African families, you know, we're both attorneys, we're both, uh, you know, law uh, faculty, um, and we just have seen, you know, and continue to see um, that, that the work uh, really needs a lot of, of, of folks uh, supporting it. So it was really kind of, and again, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm still an attorney, my, you know, my license is active, but really my heart and my energy really, um, you know, go towards the consulting because I feel like that's where I can have the most impact and can help folks um, do that kind of self-inquiry um, to then, especially when they're in leadership positions. And then that's really what I what I enjoy doing, right? Because it's it goes to um, having folks have difficult conversations um, once they have kind of uh, had the time to really understand who they are and and how that shows up in the workplaces. Uh, that they either are part of or are managing or are you know leading and uh, and and have folks and have folks listen to each other you know that usually would not be on the zoom call or in, in the same conference room and say okay well how you know how 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 does it feel to be you in this organization right uh, ceo or front front desk staff or manager right and and really understanding 
how things like intersectionality, bias, power, privilege, oppression, and harm, you know, show up in the workplace and, you know, having conversations that we haven't had um, or never really, you know, in, in a more open and maybe transparent way. But since, you know, I think COVID um, and the, the way that has kind of impacted how our how we do work or how we work with each other, um, you know, it's kind of this special moment to to push these conversations right now. And so so that's basically how we how we came to where we are today. So long-winded story to, you know, to say that I went to law school to not do law, um, you know, actively. <laughs> <and> that's it. <laughs> Well, I can feel the same way, right? I went to law school. I practiced law and, and very much like you, I found how like I can't impact the world from within the system. So how do I find my way into a place where I can create the impact that I know I'm meant to be making? And that's not from an egoic standpoint. That's a, like, I am here for a purpose. And it yeah. is, you know, I remember being a little kid in uh, Massachusetts, Amherst, outside Amherst, Mass. So not exactly rural, but not urban by any stretch of the imagination, right. um, a, a university town and um, a fairly white, fairly privileged area of the mm. country. Mm. And here I am, little white girl, fairly privileged, right? And yet I knew and could see all of the inequities that were happening. Mm. I saw it so clearly and nobody could answer to me why it was happening, right? No, nobody yeah. had an answer for me. And yeah, so from right. a very little girl, I knew that I was here to do something about the mm -hmm. inequities that I see in the world, somehow to bring humanity back to itself. And so I did. I tried to do it through law. First, I tried to do it through entertainment, right, to, to create deeper conversations. Thank God for Lin-Manuel Miranda, who has finally broken mm -hmm. some of that down. We're now we're starting to be able to have more conversations again through the theater and film because we right. went through a very long time where it was just, you know, it was fun, but not exactly meaty. Exactly. Yeah. Then I took myself to law school for the same reason, right? And was a practicing attorney for the same reason, but not impacting change. Then mm. I was in the nonprofit sector, still not impacting change. So I love through your story, what you shared is how you get to that place where you're like, no, I know I'm meant to be guiding in the world in a way that is here to facilitate change. Mm. And you're finding your way there to do it. You also... Um, just celebrated an anniversary. Do you want to share that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so like I said, even though uh, Chipo, my, my my business partner, and I have been doing this work uh, for years, uh, you know, we just actually, in terms of um, our our new firm, uh, just crossed over. You know, and we started our second year of existence. So, really excited to to be in a room with clients, uh, family, and friends, um, and those who you know basically like our village, right? Like the, the, that has supported us um, through the different, you know, phases of our, of our career. And, and we're all in the room and we're very excited for us um, uh, to, to, uh, to have formed this, this latest uh, venture and platform. So it was really great, you know, really, really I'm really, I'm still very, like buzzing from it. I'm very, I feel very full right now. Um, just seeing how many people, you know, have either been impacted by us or, uh, you know, have support and or have supported us. 
I love that for you. And I'm so excited to see where you're going with all that you're doing. So one of the things you mentioned as you were sharing your journey, you, you touched on communication, right? Mm -hmm. You touched on how we ha start to have these conversations. And the, the focus of our, our discussion today is this idea of empowered communication. Now, I do want to put a caveat out there that when we chose this topic of empowered communication, we do understand that there is something called empowered communication. It's an actual modality of communication, and it's tied to um, nonviolent communication. We wanted to talk about it a little bit broader in terms of empowered communication. Um, and I'd love to know kind of in the conversations and in the spaces that you are, where does empowerment come in, in terms of the conversations that need to be had? I think empowerment, and again, you know, that might, it will look different depending on your identities, right? And your, the intersectionality thereof. Um, you know, some of us were, have been taught from, little on either through culture or you know society that our voices are not to be heard and you know you don't speak until you're spoken to and even so um you know how generally you know are you able to speak once you are able you know allowed allowed to speak right so empowerment is really about at the end of the day it's being able to say what you need and want to say um in the way that you want to say it uh without fear um, you know, without fear of be that you know, retaliation, fear of of judgment, um, you know, fear of humiliation, uh, but also, you know, without restriction, right? So it's again, you know, people who are people pleasers, you you will kind of know what that means. You know, it's like you're saying things that you really don't want to say, but you're saying because you a don't want to cause trouble or you don't want to make somebody feel bad or anything like that, but but empowerment comes when you're able to be authentically yourself, your full self, right? Um, and so it's 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 about honesty and, and and then letting the truth come out in 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 an honest way. Uh, that you know that's kind of how I would would uh, how I would just describe that or define that, uh, if you will. Um, it is always interesting to see you know how how empowered a child may feel. You know, in terms of what they're what they're saying, you know, versus a teenager, uh, a young adult, and then you know, uh, older folks, and and usually what we hear, you know, I mean, I, I mean, my my early forties, it's like, well, I really don't care who who thinks what about what I say because I will still say what, what I want to say the way I want to say it, you know. Um, but kind of going back to my previous comment, you know, I knew that in certain settings or in certain positions that I was holding that I could not do that, right? And, mm -hmm. and even though I knew that um, uh, what the right thing was to say, and again, that, that's usually my truth and I will speak it, um, I knew that the, the listeners or the audience may not always be receptive to that, mm -hmm. right? So, so feeling empowered to speak does not mean that, oh yeah, everybody's gonna agree with me. No, absolutely not. But at the very least, you have said what you wanted to say you know, in, in your uh, authentic and, 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 and honest um, kind of essence. And that to me is really uh, when communication is, is coming from an empowered uh, position, if you will. And I think what's so important that you said there, I mean, you said a lot of important things. One of the things that I took out of there is when we're empowered to use our voices, we, we do want the listeners to hear it. And so how do we also um, 
encourage empowered listening, right? Because mm -hmm. really there's the empowered voice, but there's also the empowered listener. Right. And so I'm curious right. if that comes up in some of the work that you do. Yeah, I think um, I think we we don't listen well when we feel like what's about to be said will attack us or threaten us in a certain way, right? So when I talk to, when I uh, when I do uh, executive coaching or leadership coaching, you see that they're already ready to come with a defense because you know they hear oh we're going to talk about privilege they're like oh you're about to tell me that me as a white man you know I'm I'm evil and I'm racist and da 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 and I'm like no I, I did not say that at all right I always do ask the only thing I ask is that we all say in this in our create a brave space meaning that yes everybody should be entitled to speak from you know from a position of empowerment to speak authentically and to speak the truth but then to expect that there will be a an inquiry right so I, I wonder you know what what did you mean when you said that or can you tell me more because you know in my lived experience I haven't you know um because of my lived experience I not understand I, I'm not fully I, I don't know what that feels like sounds like or you know can you tell me more about that and so having these difficult conversations you know be be it as a speaker or the, the listener is you know as best as you can or be aware of whatever barriers you may have to that right so like like i said you know you hear that we're talking about a certain topic are you already coming into the room with half of your ears shut off because you're like mm, i already know how i already know how this is gonna go because you don't know you don't know right and so it's about being brave enough to hear at least you may not necessarily agree you may not necessarily receive what's being said but at least you know Put yourself in a in, in a state of mind of openness to at least hear it and usually when we when we are at least at that tipping point of um of being open that usually then opens up the whole kind of container to then also receiving at least that's what i have seen in my own experience but also when i when i work with others right and it's to not have assumptions because we all know what assumptions make out of you and me, right? So it's really, you don't know how this comes. Yes, there's, there's discourse in the news and media and all that kind of stuff, but the only way forward or the, the only way to have conversations that are productive and that are conducive for everybody, right? Is if we approach this new and really focus on the people who are with us in the room now, not other voices or other narratives that are swirling out there. And, and again, it really starts from a position of being open, even just to hear. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the hope is that you then are open to receive and then open to really engage with uh, what you're hearing. But yeah, openness is key, I think. Yeah, it's all those layers, right? Because we yes. can't just say, oh, I'm open to hearing and then we're done. Because right. yes, I can hear what you have to say, but I don't actually have to receive it. Receiving exactly. it doesn't... I think this is where people get confused. Receiving it doesn't mean you have to agree. Like we're exactly. not asking everybody to say we all agree on the same thing. Right. That's not reality. Right. Right. right? Yep. Exactly. Being open and receiving means that you are understanding the humanity of the other person. Yeah. Right. That their existence and their um, experiences matter just as much as yours. Yeah. And so it, it is from what I'm hearing and, and from my experience as well, it's, it's leaving the ego at the door. Yes. Or mm -hmm. from differently understanding what your ego usually does and yes. why, 
Yeah. So why do I feel threatened when we're talking, we're coming to a room and like, oh, we're going to talk about DEI and like half the room is like, <gasps> you know, and so it's, why do you have that <gasps> moment, you know? And, and, and so I always tell people, your feelings are your biggest teachers because they will tell you that you all of a sudden feel tense or threatened or anxious. And then I say, okay. So, and then I say to those of you who just had a visceral reaction or negative reaction to what I just said, I want you to close your eyes and ask yourself, why, why am I having this reaction? Right. Mm -hmm. And then really understanding it. And then, like you said, kind of under, peeling back the layers and saying, well, you know, this, this is, this seems, this seems, or I perceive this to be threatening to who I am. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell me I have to be better, like uh, a different person. No, that's not what, what we're saying, but it's understanding what our ego tells us, you know, in these conversations, what our programming, our upbringing, our values are telling us or, or how they're activated in these conversations so that you can understand why it is difficult or, you know, or easy for you to, to hear, to receive, right? But you have to kind of know yourself um, before you can understand somebody else because you, you want to be aware of what your barriers, self-imposed often, barriers are that you have in these conversations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I find fascinating, um, because I've been in those conversations many times in many different situations, and um, it's who's delivering it as well. So like we respond, and this is all of us, right? This is not, I am not saying the white men in the room are going to respond a certain way. That is not what I'm saying. We all respond based upon whatever our perceptions are. Yes. And what I love is one of the times I was, I was part of um, a group doing some DEI exploration. Um, we actually all closed our eyes and we didn't see who was walking in to talk with us. Ah, and yes. it was a person with a very um, neutral voice. You couldn't tell um, any perceived gender, you couldn't, mm -hmm. I mean, you could maybe guess, but you couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, you couldn't tell um, ethnicity. You couldn't tell read. It was like, it was That's a beautiful experience because you got to just receive the words without mm -hmm. having a perception based on the body that's standing in front of you. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I love that um, because again, we're, what it is factoring in is that bias is going to be triggered, right? Yes. It's kind of the equivalent of people saying, Hey, you know, Carla, we, we have a really great um, hiring procedure where we, 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 we basically remove any type of indicators from the resumes. Right. And then I say, okay, that's great. Right. That's kind of like, I don't see color and da, 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 da. But why are we doing this? Cause right now what we are facilitating and what really what we're coddling is we know that we, we all come, all of us, come with mm -hmm. biases. And instead of understanding and managing them, we're like, oh, let's let's make it easier on ourselves and remove things that may trigger our bias, right? And to me, it kind of does the opposite. It does not help you grow, right? Like I, I would rather know that, okay, I do have some biases towards, you know, mothers. I know that, you know, mm -hmm. I always use myself in, in our in our workshop. Um, I have, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say bias, but, you know, folk against younger folks, because, you know, people my age, you know, at least they, they may, I assume that they may have a better understanding of things than, than uh, younger folks. So it's, if we want to do better, you know, especially when it comes to DEI or just collective, you know, healing or, 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 or kind of uh, progress, 
and instead of kind of running away from it or hiding it, like we ought to center it, right? And say, okay, well, why is it, why, why isn't exercise like the one that you just described, why is there a difference in how we receive, right? It's like, right, we're removing the things that may trigger or activate our biases or our privilege, right? Uh, rather than seeing who walks into room and, you know, whether it's a, a you know, uh, a non, uh, like a, a non, you know, kind of, uh, regardless of what the identity of the person is, do I already make up what I, what, whether mm -hmm. I will or how much I will listen, you know, depending on who I see walking through the door. Mm -hmm. So it's always interesting. I like those exercises, but then I'm like, but we are not really calling ourselves up in our, you know, in our biases. And usually then, you know, I will use that and I say, okay, well, what are you afraid of? Like if you see a certain name on a resume or a certain address or a certain alma mater that that person lists, you know, does that mean that you're going to be more favorable now and, and you will not kind of, you know, uh, assess uh, all your candidates, uh, you know, kind of in a, in a fair uh, way. So it's always interesting to kind of poke, not poke holes, but really kind of uh, like, you know, pull the threads apart to, to have the person realize like, oh shit, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is definitely a bias, that, you know, that yes. is a bias being embodied here. So, and those are powerful moments, you know, they may not, usually people feel ashamed when we think about that and like, oh yeah, shit, like my bias really is showing yeah. or has shown here. And it, 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 I'm not proud of that moment, but these moments are important if we want to become better as, as just in, as an, as a human being, right? We want to evolve. Um, and so it's, I love when, when I see the, the look of embarrassment or discomfort, I say, it's fine. This, it, this is absolutely fine. We all do this. The mm -hmm. question is, what do you want to do now based on what, based on this icky feeling that you just got about yourself? Yeah. Right. Like those, those to me are like the, the yummy, the yummy moments, because that's really where most of us can then decide whether we like, like you said, the grow, growth edges, right? Like that's mm -hmm. where we decide, you know, can I evolve into uh, a more uh, deepened soul or you know, mm -hmm. in a deeper knowledge here about me and how, you know, and how I can impact the world. So to me, those, those are the exciting, exciting moments, I guess. They are. And, and it's interesting because I totally understand what you're talking about with that exercise. And I think the reason why I actually walked away with it with a positive, because I didn't think about it until you just shared this. Mm -hmm. I walked away with it with a positive experience because we did that step further. Mm -hmm. As once yeah. we opened our eyes and saw who it was, then we had the conversation about bias. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. we had the conversation about where was your privilege in that? What are you yeah. thinking now? How has that? So that, so but I didn't even think about it because I was like, it was this cool exercise. I'm like, oh no, you're absolutely right. The exercise in itself is exactly like blind hiring or blind casting, which it's so funny because I will admit that there was a time, and this was when I was in the theater, where I was like, blind casting is absolutely the way to go. And now I'm like, why would I? do that like why wouldn't i want to embrace the totality of the individual that's in front of me mm. but i didn't know better then right i mean but and that's the growth right like that's when we have those like aha moments it's like no actually we should and if 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 that person is not cast or if, if this person is not retained for the then the question would be like well they have all the qualifications so why did we not end up with somebody who has a completely different intersectionality of identities and then if that leads to an quote unquote uncomfortable conversations, let, let's let's have it, right? And then we, we as an organization, as a collective, have to ask ourselves, so what are what are our 
you know, kind of what is our organizational culture? You know, what are our, our biases? You know, are, are we uh, being exclusive, right? That in 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 who we want to, you know, uh, to have uh, among us. You know, are we are we going by cultural fit or are we going to pivot to cultural ad, right? So mm-hmm. it's always like, okay, well, what? That, okay, so why? Why? You know, and and that's what I like. It's it's those why conversations, like those those inquiries. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because we keep dancing around like this idea that when we were talking at the beginning of inquiry and doubt, right? Mm -hmm. How do we poke those holes? Because you even use those words, poking holes in it, which that's casting doubt. That's that's Mm -hmm. creating it. And right, which we initially think of as negative. And yet we both agreed actually creates more possibility. Exactly. Yeah. That's nice tying it together, Kim. Yeah. No, I love, you know, there's that little bow for you. I just looked at the time and cannot believe that this this oh, conversation yeah. has gone so quickly. It yes. has been so wonderful. And I could spend, you know, hours talking to you on end because I love talking with you. Um, what has been your golden nugget from our conversation? What's like a little thing you're going to put in your pocket and take away? I really like that you refocused me on the listening part um, because mm-hmm. I even, you know, I could definitely do a better job. And, and so you never really think about... You, you think of listening as passive, right? And uh, usually, with, in, like commonly speaking, it's there's always this, this emphasis on the speaking part. So the golden nugget I'm going to take away from, from today is really exploring that, you know, what does that, what, how do I listen? You know, like, has it gotten worse? Like, you know, do I, do I, am I just open or do I actually receive um, and how, and what would empowered listening look like for me? Right. Like I really, I really like that. So I'm going to, that's going to be my, my homework. So I'm going to, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. I love that. And it is just like the rest of the conversation that we've been having. It is so dependent on circumstance, yeah. right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard. We're sitting there and we're just trying our best to stay present. Mm-hmm. So active listening or empowered listening might not be where we can get to, but just mm. recognizing that, right? Recognizing I can't be here for whatever reason. It could be what's right. happening in the room, could be something else. Exactly. Yeah. Gives yeah. us that freedom to to then say, okay, where can I improve this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And no and my my golden nugget was that that oh yes. <laughs> That totally could have been um, a, a moment of bias versus in a moment of growth and mm-hmm. understanding that it's the the totality of the conversations mm-hmm. that we have. So, mm-hmm. right, empowered listening and empowered um, and vocalization, empowered sharing mm-hmm. is really what happened in that conversation um, when I think about my own experience, but what you had shared back to me um, around our bias and privilege around through that right? Like if we were doing it all blind, um, for me to have that opportunity to see, oh no, it actually has to be about allowing for the totality of the conversation to happen for that growth to happen. So good stuff. Carla, where can people find you in the world and how can they get more of your goodness? Absolutely. So uh, you can visit us on our website. It's uh, czl-pc.com. Uh, where um, you'll see, you know, both of our practice groups on there. So our legal group, uh, which focuses on uh, transactional and business law. Um, and, uh, you know, because of who we are, we really want to support 
um, other women, uh, folks who uh, are part of communities that are uh, systemically and historically uh, marginalized and underrepresented. So we really, you know, wherever, however we can help, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, uh, mid-sized, small to mid-sized companies, and, you know, we, we work with, with governmental entities. So uh, check us out. And then, like I said, our legal consulting group um, that, that is uh, overseen by me, uh, where we do things from assessments, uh, policy, paper review, all that kind of stuff, but also po uh, people assessments, uh, and then also all of our introspections, which are our workshops uh, on, a, on a variety of topics um, that we uh, can offer your organization, and, uh, and then also executive uh, coaching. Um, so yeah, so any if we can be of help with any of those things, um, give us give us a, a, a ring, a ping, uh, and we're here. <laughs> Fantastic. And is obviously the when I say obviously the legal services are um, Chicago based. Is that correct? Yeah, Chicago based, but we are global. So actually, Chipo, um, my my business partner, is leaving for uh, Africa for Liberia um, in in a week. Oh. Uh, so have, and one of our attorneys is in DC. So we are, we are everywhere. Um, so we, and, and, you know, we, we are connected to some really cool folks uh, in, in different states and also different countries. So, uh, you know, we are not just, we may be our imprint or roots may be in Chicago, but uh, we are an international, a global firm. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so everybody just come on, come, come check us out or, or let us help you out. And, uh, and yeah, so um, it was so great, uh, as always, Kim, uh, oh my today. So thank you so much for having me. You know that uh, you and I can talk about these things all day long. All day um, long and find new things all the time, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But, but thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It has been a joy. I'm going to let the people know what they can look forward to for next week. Um, so we are going to be talking about the power of letting go. So we're going mm -hmm. to channel our inner Elsas with uh, Gabrielle Hayes. She's an amazing uh, co-founder of Project X. Uh, I think it's Project X uh, Agile. So I, she's an amazing human, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation as well next week. Carla, thank you again for being here, listeners. Um, we hope that you were able to find your golden nuggets in our conversation today. Um, and until next time, bye for now. Bye.